welcome to the Conscious Parenting Paradigm Podcast. I am your host, France Taillard, the HD Parenting Coach and Certified Conscious Parenting Coach. My goal is to create ease in your family through human design and conscious parenting, to bring more connection, joy, self-expression, emotional intelligence, spirit, and energy into your life to guide you to reconnect with your true self so you can bring more love and joy in your homes and confidently parent your child the unique way they crave to be parented. I'm here to have conversations to guide you and pave the way for a whole new parenting experience for yourself and your children. Join me and let's explore this path together. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today we have a really special guest with us, Tiana Fetch, and she is a course development consultant, but I know her through the, she is the host of the Part-Time Jungle podcast. So thank you, Tiana. Welcome to this podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for this opportunity. My pleasure. So you live in Calgary, I believe, and you've got three kiddos. Tell us a little bit about um your family and you know their age and whatnot sure so yes I live in Calgary Alberta and we have three kids and they are 15 13 and 10 so we have two teenagers now uh which is an interesting stage to be in and we actually have three kids at three different schools this year So one in high school, one in junior high, and one in elementary. So that's been a bit of an adjustment in terms of keeping track of all the moving parts and information that comes with having school-age kids. And we, uh, our two oldest kids play hockey. And so in general, we have our kids choose one activity that they would like to do. So our older two chose hockey and our youngest has done some paddling and is now doing swimming lessons. And I have to tell you, uh, through COVID, when things weren't happening, it was quite quiet in our family. And as much as we are so incredibly excited and happy to have our kids back doing things, it's gotten a little bit busy for us, but uh, they love it. And um, and have a lot of fun doing it. And so we figure out, figure it out and we make it work. Um, my husband is an elementary school principal and I have worked in the field of education for over 16 years now. So I call myself a retired classroom teacher. Uh, I now work, as you mentioned, as a course development consulting consultant with my own consulting company. And I also teach at the University of Calgary in the Faculty of Education, where I work with student teachers there. So our poor children have parents that are both teachers, which I don't know how they feel about that sometimes. Well, they chose you, so (laughs) what they were getting into. (laughs) Uh, And I love that. And I love that you're, you know, you're experiencing, well, I don't love it because, you know, one day I'll have to live it myself, but you're experiencing those preteens and those teenagers uh, years. So it's a very big shift. But one piece that I really like that you said is you only let them do one activity and at a time which for me that is such an important piece because 
like you said, like during, you know, these lockdowns and whatnot, yes, there was a lot of things that were terrible, but there, it was so much more simple, so much more connected, <laughs> yes. so much less stress in, in specific in, in ways and in other ways there was more. But um, I love that you, and I, we've talked about this before you and I, and I love that it's something that you've implemented and you've kept on um, doing because, you know, we can get so caught up with going here, going there. And like you said, now you have three schools that you need to, you know, to, to keep up with and all that. So what made you decide to only, you know, say one activity at a time? What made you decide to put kind of like that rule in place for your family? Well, it kind of was something we just sort of came, it came to be a sort of a, a piece of, I guess, the fabric of what our family is. So we do value and especially being teachers and in the field of education and in that world, we do see a huge value for our kids having those outside of school interests along with the communities, friendships, coaches, uh, instructors that they get to connect with outside of school and, and kind of having the opportunity to explore those areas of passion um, outside of school. So we, we knew that we wanted our kids to have opportunities to explore extracurricular activities. But then we also value other things like being able to have that time together as, as a family. And we just, especially with three kids and hockey in particular is, has a quite a demanding schedule. Um, but we just find that it helps us to have a certain extent of not really balance, I guess, but like sort of just the right fit and feel for our family. And uh, we just didn't feel, especially as the kids got older and went, and with a lot of the activities, there's sort of an increased level of commitment. Uh, we felt that one was good was a good thing to do. So as our kids have been growing up, they've had opportunities to try lots of different things. We've, they've tried experiences like taking music lessons and they've tried different sports and different things like that. But we really try and look at our year and think about how we can kind of break things down and organize things in a way that'll work best for our family. So our older two are done the swimming lessons that we kind of wanted them to do. So they would have the swimming skills that we wanted them to have so that they could be safe and uh, in the water and enjoy their time there. But we would schedule those swimming lessons, for example, when the hockey season was over. So it just wasn't too many things all at once. And I think it's, it's good for everyone because it's good for them to, to have that downtime and there's nothing wrong with having time to be bored, right? That unstructured time when you're sort of figuring out what you want to do and it's not something structured and scheduled. I would, like, I wouldn't say, I would go further than saying there's nothing wrong. I would say it's actually necessary <laughs> to have that unstructured time because that's, you know they're allowed to use their imagination they play they learn it's just it's super super valuable to have that unstructured time and I love that and it's funny because as you're talking I'm thinking wow like I have one child and that's also my rule one activity but you're right like as they get older the one activity becomes more demanding instead of being once a week it's now maybe two three four times a week so I can't only imagine what it looks like with four with sorry three kids because then 
you could be essentially, you know, having something every single day. <laughs> Maybe except for Sundays, right? So, yeah. It, yeah, it is busy, but um, they love it and it's coming from them. And uh, we see so many positive benefits yes. from it. So it works. It's a little busy, but it works. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Okay. So I want to, you mentioned something uh, when we were talking before. So I want to ask you a little bit more about that. So talk to me about that village mentality and why you feel that, you know, that village mentality is so important for us to have as parents. Well, this connects even really well to what we're talking about in terms of our family schedule, Mm -hmm. uh, because you can, you don't need to go it alone even with that. So obviously in COVID times, there's been times where this has been limited, but even things like carpooling. And it's funny, there was one day early in the hockey season when there was evaluations happening and I arrived at the rink and I saw two other kids that my one of our kids is friends with. And I thought to myself, I'm out of practice of implementing and using that village mentality because I hadn't even thought to throw it out there to say, hey, like Easton has hockey at this time. Um, do your kids as well. Maybe we one person can drop off and one person can pick up. So you just, you don't need to go it alone. And I think for myself as a new parent, for whatever reason, I was so reluctant to ask for help. And I was reluctant to even accept help, accept help when it was offered to me. So I feel like having that village mentality has just helped me to be a better mom in so many ways. So even fundamentally, just having a sounding board, because uh, sometimes you go through, through things as a parent and it just feels like you must be the only one struggling with this. And why is this happening? And nobody else could possibly be dealing with what you're dealing with. But I've found that when you're able to be really real and connected with others and talk about the ups and downs of parenting. It really can normalize a lot of the challenges that we face when the kids are little and, and in the teen years as well, I'm finding it's helpful to, uh, to talk about those things. And then also I, one of the big pieces of my personal parenting philosophy, I call it big borough steel so there, I just don't feel like there's any need to reinvent the wheel as a parent. Um, you can ask for other people's insights and strategies and ideas and resources. And then at the end of the day, you can choose to take it or leave it. But sometimes just throwing it out there, you can get so many great ideas um, of little tips and ideas and things that you can apply to your own parenting situation. Um, even things like meal ideas, if you kind of feel like you're getting in a rut or activity idea, ideas, or if you're in the midst of like a particularly challenging phase or situation with your kids, just talking with other parents about how they've worked through that, um, what strategies have helped them. And then as I mentioned, the logistics piece is huge. It's so helpful. It is a game changer. So the carpooling, um, even play dates. So when our kids were in kindergarten and in school for half the day, 
uh, especially with our middle kiddo, there were two other families um, who are part of our village. And every Monday we took turns having the kids at our house. And so um, it meant that there were two Mondays where the kids would be at somebody else's house having a great and fabulous time playing with one another. And then even the day that they were at my house, uh, I found that if I needed to get some stuff done around the house or anything like that, it was great because they were having a fantastic time playing with their buddies and I was able to get a few things done. So I, I found that was a huge win-win. And then just when you need a break, I think it's so nice to be able to say, you know, could my child or children um, hang out with your kiddos for a bit or um, something like that, like head over after school or walk home together after school, just finding those ways to kind of have that little bit of a break or some downtime. So the village mentality is very central to me being the best mom I can be. I like that. And there's so many golden tips that you said there. And oftentimes you're right. Like we feel like we need to do it alone and we can't ask for help and we'll get that, you know, that extra medal of honor if we do everything by ourselves. But that's not true. It's not the case. And it's not, it's basically a recipe for disaster, right? And you're not alone. Um, like you mentioned, you know, we think that we're the only ones experiencing this challenge. We think that nobody else will understand, but oftentimes it's not the case like almost 100% of the time, I would say it's not the case. There's always someone else out there that's experiencing or has experienced something like this that can guide you and support you through that. So I love that. And, you know, when it comes to that village mentality, for me, being in a city where I don't have any family, the only thing I do have is friends, right? Sometimes it feels, especially at the early stages of my separation, it felt like disempowering people saying like, you need a village around you. You need a village around you. It's like, okay, well, what if I don't, what if it's literally just me? And like, I cannot rely on my friends right now and my family is too far away. The thing that I've discovered is that there's still so many ways that you can also implement that. Right. And, you know, for, it can look different, but you know, to ease things like now I don't go grocery shopping anymore. I use an app called Instacart and I get it delivered straight to my house, right? So there's like, and then a bunch of other things, but there's always ways that you can create that village, whether it's through family, whether it's through friends, whether it's through services that the community offers that you can take advantage of, right? So I love that. Um, okay, so let's shift a little bit and talk about that school community coming from that teacher background, as well as having, you know, lots of experiences with your child as a parent. How can parents actively build relationships with their school community? And why have you found that it's important to do that? Yeah, it's interesting. I was actually thinking back because our youngest is our last one at the elementary school. And so this is actually our... 12th year at the school and I will have been with uh, this particular school for 13 years when all is said and done. So uh, being connected to the school community has been incredibly important. So what I mean by school community is just that idea that 
in terms of having the most successful education experience, you want to implement that community approach. So parents, students, teachers, and the school administration. You could even extend that to the neighborhood that the school's in um, and feed, or the neighborhoods that feed into the school, and even local businesses if you want to expand that further. But just to start with um, kind of the why and why it's so important, I feel that it really just creates that strong community of support for our kids. So the village mentality again, um, but particularly at that school-based level, it establishes those really clear lines of communication, a really consistent message and support for our kids. So it helps for everyone if they can be on the same page and sort of in the know of what's going on. So I've seen this as both a teacher and as a parent, how um, important and effective it can be if everyone's on the same page and communicating clearly with one another. Uh, and another piece of the why, why you want to really actively make sure that you're getting to know, connecting with the school community is uh, you're the parent and you know your child the best. So teachers and I mean, teachers are amazing. And I think through this whole COVID experience, we've seen that teachers are beyond amazing, but they do have a number of children in their classrooms and each child is unique and they've got their own gifts and challenges and personalities and interests. So if you are working with your child's teacher in a supportive partnership, it's just going to create that win-win situation for everyone. So a couple of ways to actively build those relationships. One of them might seem sort of obvious, I guess, but it's just taking advantage of those opportunities to connect with your children's teachers and the school. So I know that, that this looks a little bit different right now. Uh, here in Calgary, parents are actually able to volunteer in the schools again if it's at a designated and scheduled time, but I think that's just really happening on a limited basis. But mm -hmm. uh, even with things being virtual, just making sure that you attend those meet the teacher nights, that you connect with teachers at parent-teacher interviews, and even taking advantage of things like school council meetings and school events when you can is a great way to be in the know and have opportunities to build those relationships and be actively involved in the school community. And the other big one is just always having the mindset to keep the lines of communication open. So don't wait <laughs> to to say something or share something. So it's important to reach out to your children's teachers with your questions and concerns and positive feedback. And obviously, we need to be respectful and mindful that during the day, your child's teacher is very busy and engaged with their classroom. So it's the best way to do this is usually by email. Um, even just to initiate uh, a phone conversation or 
likely at this time it wouldn't be in person. So a conversation um, over something like Zoom or Microsoft Teams, but arranging that time to connect and chat. And it's always better to say something sooner than later. So as an example, uh, one of our kids has a diagnosis of generalized anxiety and ADHD inattentive type. So I always make sure to make a point of connecting with his teachers early in the school year just to share some strategies that have been really helpful in the past to support him. So he does have what here in Alberta is called an IPP, which is an individual program plan. In Ontario, I believe it's an IEP. Um, And that sort of outlines the strategies, but it takes some time in the beginning of the year for all those pieces and, and formalized things to get in place. So just reaching out and touching base and sharing a few things can be really helpful for that first sort of month or that first start of school. And the other thing is, if he's really struggling at home, I let his teachers know. And I mean, more so now because he's in high school, he does a lot of the advocacy and communication himself. But at the end of the day, I'm still his mom and his dad's still his dad and, um, there, there may still be those times when we need to step in and, and be sort of that supportive person reaching out as well. Because uh, teachers might not be seeing the struggles we're seeing at home at school. So at school, our kiddo, he tends to be um, fairly quiet and complacent. So he usually won't let on in any way that he's been having a really tough time with something. Um, we just see it at home. And then I make a point too to check in once in a while, just with a quick email to see how things are going, if there's anything that we can be doing at home to support him and the work that he's doing at school. And it's also good just to remember to occasionally send those messages um, of support, right? Like thanking teachers as well for the work that they're doing and If your child comes home having had a great day at school and loving a particular activity um, or having had a really interesting conversation with their teacher that really meant a lot to them, taking a couple minutes to just send a quick email and letting that teacher know how much your child enjoyed the activity or how much that conversation meant to them really goes a long way because teachers sure work hard. I like that. Um, Not just reaching out when you're struggling, but also giving them that, um, how much your child is enjoying it. I like that a lot. And I like everything that you said there, like the reasons why and what we can do. I am finding it, uh, you know, being a first time, this is our first year in school for my daughter and, you know, just not even able to step into the school, not knowing where her classroom is, where she's spending her time. Yeah, they've sent us videos, but I mean, it's not really the same, right? And um, like even connecting with other parents, I mean, it's just so restricted. Everyone, you know, at pickup, everyone is standing six feet apart, not really looking at each other or talking or anything. So it's just like, there's been barriers. We still can't hear volunteer into the classrooms or anything like that. So looking forward for it to open up so to make that to build that relationship and to make it easier to build that relationship so any tips on like other than what you've already given to 
do it with all the restrictions or is maybe just easing into waiting for the things to open on top of like, you know, keeping the line of communication open. Yeah, it's unfortunate because it looking back, you know, I just appreciate all those opportunities mm. so much more because it was just so much easier to feel connected. Um, so I think one would be, honestly, I, I don't know if at your school, most schools do have some sort of school council or parent council. And I really do. I know sometimes parents are hesitant to attend those things because you feel like then you have to volunteer for a bunch of things, but truly you don't. <laughs> um, but I have found that that's been such a good way to, even online, not as great as being in person, but even mm -hmm. online to get the information and kind of the behind the scenes of what's happening at the school. So at our meetings, the principal will share like the school development plan. So what are sort of the key goals that the school's working on for the school year in terms of the focus for some of the learning, um, that teaching and learning that teachers are going to be working on with students? Um, what sort of additional resources are they looking for? Or are they implementing and using? Are they taking on some new initiatives or exploring some different ways of teaching and learning. So for example, this year at my, um, at our youngest at the elementary school, they're really uh, looking into loose parts and learning from the land and getting outside more. Um, they even have an, an initiative where kids get to run in the hallways and, mm -hmm. um, and students, at the school, there's a group of students who have an opportunity to sort of take on a leadership role with that. Um, yeah, so it's just interesting because you kind of get a better sense of the why. Um, the school's making this, the decisions and things that they're doing um, and sort of that insider scoop of what's going on. It's also a great opportunity to ask questions and learn more and connect with some some other parents there as well. So uh, I would say that if that's something that uh, families haven't taken advantage of, it really is such a great way to get to know your child's school better. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so let's talk briefly about why remembering to talk less and listen more is so important as parents. Okay, so we have teenagers, so I find it's more important now than ever before that mm. I remind myself of this. So, uh, and as a teacher as well, um, and I, this is something that I remind my student teachers of too, but our kids stop listening. So we might be talking, but they're not really hearing what we're saying and they tune out when we talk too much and I think this is most evident in those challenging times but even in general um so sometimes it can feel like the more we talk the more we're getting our message across so maybe there was some sort of challenging behavior or problem we feel that uh needs to be solved but truly they aren't really actually hearing what we're saying. So the end 
school, well, for our family, one of the big things, especially again, now that our, our two oldest are teenagers is we want our children to be independent and we want them to think critically and we want them to self advocate and we want them to problem solve. We don't want them to have to rely on us to do all those things for them. And so in order to develop those skills and practice those skills, they need to be a part of the conversation. So um, ask, asking our kids what they think, asking them how they feel, asking them what they would do differently next time. And when we ask those questions, it's important that we don't feel like we need to fill in the dead air or the quiet by talking right away, like pause, like count to four or five and give our our kids an opportunity to answer. Um, another thing too, to be mindful of is our kids have a lot on their plates these days, uh, especially these days. And uh, there's been some particularly challenging and difficult situations that have come up at the schools, especially for our older kiddos that I'm finding. Um, things that they've heard about happening with other kids, um, other kids making some choices to do things like vaping or fighting, or I think kids are having a, a particularly tough time right now. Um, so at the end of the school day, asking open-ended questions is good. And I really find that great times to talk with my kids is in the car or going for a walk. And those are the times when we're not looking at each other right in the eyes. Mm -hmm. And it feels and kind of seems to be easier and uh, to have those sort of more deep conversations. And I just find my kids talk so much more in those two types of situations. And then it's just making that time to really listen and hear what they have to say. Uh, so not to be checking your phone or doing some sort of task or other thing and, and just really being attentive to uh, what they're telling you. And the other piece too is we want our kids to feel like they can come and talk to us and we, for my husband and I, we really want our kids to feel safe and comfortable talking to us about all the things. Um, so their successes, those awesome wins and great things that have happened in their day, but also those really challenging and difficult situations because there's going to be ups and downs for them as well. And we just really want our kids to feel like they have a voice and that they feel heard. Uh, and this we're finding it's especially important as our kids get older and their peer groups start to play an increasingly larger and more important role in their lives. That's who they want to be spending time with, which is great. Uh, but we really want to keep those conversations happening with our kids. I love, I love that. And so much wisdom too, in what you shared. And it's so true. Like, we think that the more we talk, the more we can get our message across. But especially if they're in that heat of the moment, they're feeling frustrated about something, they can't access their rational brain. So 
you know, in those times, it's really important to just be quiet. And I always recommend to go shift your energy, go for that walk, go jump on the trampoline, go for a swim, whatever it is that you need to do, right? Yeah, your energy, so that they're able to go back into their logical and rational mind. And then whatever lesson they're you're trying to teach them, they'll be actually able to absorb and maybe also they might have figured it out by themselves, especially if you encourage what you mentioned, the critical thinking and the, you know, problem solving skills um, to do that. And one thing we need to remember, and, and you talked about this, what your children are experiencing in school, especially the older kids. I mean, every single child, I have clients that are under two and I have clients that are teenagers or that their children are teenagers and all of them, all of the ages they are experiencing so much stress right now. We have been experiencing so much stress over the last 18 months that, and they feed off that stress, right? So they're just experiencing so much that, you know, children two years ago did not experience. Um, Some did, some children did experience this stress, but now it's like, every single child right or like almost every single child so there's just so much stress that they have so we have to be even more proactive and simplifying their schedule getting them into nature reconnecting with themselves and allowing them ways to release that stress um, is really important as well any last words of wisdoms maybe something you would have you know told yourself when your kids were under five that you wish you know you wish you knew back then that you would tell yourself today? (laughs) Oh my goodness. That feels so long ago. I (laughs) (laughs) I can picture them. They were, yeah, I literally had three kids under five at one point. You did, yeah. Oh, I think for me, the biggest thing that, and I, I feel at that point I was doing this better, but just that, that reminder to myself that you don't need to go it alone. You mm-hmm. don't need to go it alone. And um, just to remember to ask for help when you need it and to accept help when offered and to, as you said, look for those ways to take some things off of your plate like what an incredibly huge, like a small act, but with huge impact, you know, having your grocery groceries delivered to your home. So yes, just remember that you don't need to go it alone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Conscious Parenting Paradigm Podcast. I am your host, France Taillard, Certified Conscious Parenting Coach. You can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Coach France T. You can find my link to my website in the show notes or on my social media profiles. I would love it if you would subscribe to and rate this podcast. I will be doing multiple Ask Me Parenting episodes, so if you have any questions for me, please leave it inside a review on your favorite platform. Your feedback and support is so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore conscious parenting together. Thank you.